0: Over the next four weeks, we're going to be leaning into this phrase champion. We're going to look at how Jesus is the champion of Easter. And Easter doesn't just start with a resurrection on Sunday morning. It goes even before that. And I think you have to understand the whole visual, the whole story to really appreciate what Easter is all about. On April 17th, I'm so excited we're going to gather in this place Easter Sunday, and it will be our Super Bowl for the year, okay? We're going to have three services, 8 a.m. for all y'all early folks. God answered your prayer, okay? You're like, can we just get in here and get it done? Yes. 8 a.m., the Lord's going to speak to you. 9.30 a.m. if you want to double up, double up. And if you want to triple up, go ahead and triple up. Somebody say triple up. Um, 11 a.m. as well. So we just want to make more space for inviting Praise God, like the Prestonwood team just shared. They had been, they put out over 1,000 door hangers uh, on homes. Maybe you're here today because you got one of those. And we want to just invite our community to know about Jesus and how he's so good. He's the champion. And so we hope that you'll take this serious as well and invite somebody. People are more open to going to church on Easter Sunday than any other time of the year. And so I don't want us to miss it. Amen. So grab a stack of invite cards today, because this is where we're going, but before we do that, we see Jesus as champion in, in several different places, several different places, and that's where we're going to work from starting on this first Sunday of the month of April, and, um, and we're going to just take all the rest of the Sundays, and we're going to sneak a Friday in there as well, and we're going to look at Jesus as champion. I want to put a graphic up on the screen that shows you a few different icons here in a moment, and, these different icons represent the championship journey of Jesus, all right? Uh, I'm going to give you just a sneak peek. This is the trailer. Come on, anybody appreciate movie trailers? Some of y'all, come on, don't be too holy. You can't watch a trailer, okay? Jesus is the champion. So here's what we're going to look at over the next four weeks. We're going to look at Jesus. Jesus, he's the champion of the table. He, He meets with his disciples at the Lord's Supper, and he He demonstrates his championship ability at the table. Then we're going to look at Jesus. He's the champion on a donkey. On Palm Sunday, he comes riding in as champion. Then we're going to look at the champion over the cross. Amen. On Good Friday, I want to invite you to come back and join us for Good Friday service as we put the cross front and center and we see the champion of the cross. Then we see the champion over the grave. Amen. On Easter Sunday, we're going to look at the champion over the grave. Even death could not hold him down. And then we're going to finalize the series as Jesus is the champion ascending to heaven, completing the task. So those are the trailers. Those are the next few weeks, and I really want you to lean in. I want you to make it a priority to get to church. Some say that Sunday morning church decision starts on Saturday night. I want you to just Saturday night say, you know what? We can't miss it. we got to be there because Jesus is the champion. We want to see him do it. Amen? If you got all that, say, I got it. Well, let me go ahead and center in on the first one, okay? We're going to look at Jesus as the champion at the table. Jesus is the champion at the table. I'm grateful that Jesus takes us in in the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then even the apostle Paul has a mention in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where we see this last supper moment. Maybe you have this visual in your head of Jesus at the table, and he's got 12 people looking very stoic around him. One's doing like this awkward lean on his shoulder. <laughs> They're reclining at the table, and Jesus has this little glow around his head, and you're like, that's a very interesting look. You know, I, I like to think of Jesus just much more life-giving. I think Jesus was much more of a partier in the most holy way. I think they were probably having fun. They were probably playing jokes on each other but at the same time they knew that something serious was about to happen. I want us to take us into an account of this moment in the Last Supper. And before I do that, I do wanna remind you, it's just such a neat moment. When we talk about the Last Supper, when we talk about communion, not everything in in the Gospels is in all four. So for example, you'll see certain moments that are only in one Gospel. For example, the Christmas story, right? Jesus is born of a virgin Mary and Joseph. That's all in Matthew. That's all in Luke But mark just says we are just gonna start with adult Jesus, right? (laughs) We're just gonna get right to the point the gospel of John It says in in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and now Jesus is on the scene, right? Some gospels will have different pieces because let me just say it like this if four people decided to follow Teddy McCord around for three years I would have an experience, a different person would have an experience, a different person would have an experience, and a different person maybe had a conversation that I didn't have, right? And we all wrote about our experience, there'd be some things that were similar and some things that were different. Does that make sense? I think the uniqueness of all four Gospels demonstrates the validity of the Gospels all the more. The fact that each one isn't exactly the same and each one has different moments and different flavor and different expressions just shows you that all four really have so much power. That's why I would encourage you to live in the Gospels. Always be reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Pick one, read through it, start another one, read through it, go to another one, read through it, go back again. Because all four are so fresh. But all four contain the Last Supper. Because I believe everybody who was in that room that night said, I got to write about this. I got I to I do a journal entry. I was there, and, and homie took the bread and dipped it, and then left, and Jesus talked about the blood and the bread and how he's the champion of the table. All four Gospels contain a Last Supper discourse. Because we really believe this is the start of Jesus' march to the cross. So that's where I want us to center around today, but I don't want us to center in on just a Gospel. I want us to take our view today from the Apostle Paul who tells in 1 Corinthians 11 how Jesus revealed to him what he demonstrated that night. Paul was an onlooker. He was looking into what happened at the the Last Supper discourse, and that's where we're going to land here today. So if you got all that, say, I got it. it. If you're ready, say, ready. Ready. If you're hungry, say, "Let's let's eat. Let's eat. Father, as we get ready to eat from your word, and then even eat from a communion packet, Lord, we ask you now to speak to us, encourage us. Minister to us. Come on, pray with me, church. Say, soft in my heart. Help me to hear your voice. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we look at these verses up on the screen or in your Bibles below, do you, if you need a Bible, go ahead and put your hand in the air like you just do care. We have some hard back, some soft backs, some large print, some small print. We just want to make sure you got the Bible you need. So put your hand in the air. One of our Dream Team members will walk you down a Bible if you need one and we're gonna jump into the scripture. Now, 1 Corinthians 11, if you're there, say I'm there. All right, kicking off at verse 23. I want you to try to put yourself in the story, okay? Come on, jump into this verse and put yourself at the table with the champion. The text says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. Whoever, everybody say whoever. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Final verse. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Jesus is the champion at the table. Paul sets the scene here, the Apostle Paul, who has this radical conversion to knowing Jesus. Jesus reveals himself to Paul in Acts chapter 8 and 9, and then Paul goes on this church planting journey. He plants a church in Corinth, and at some point, he, he hears about the power of communion that the Lord reveals to Paul. I don't know if it was through a dream. I don't know if it was through a vision. Maybe it was just through an encounter with the Apostles Peter or John, at some point, right, we find that the Apostle Paul has this moment, and he tells us in verse 23, he says, the Lord revealed to him from the Lord what he then delivered to the church, which is then still on display at Walk Church today, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he he took bread. In this case, we made it very minimalistic for you, okay? And we didn't want to get on fingerprints on there. Okay, we, we get it. Who touched my bread? It's in the packet. Verse 24, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. When I was reading this text, I realized there's four things that I believe Jesus Christ models for us in the Last Supper discourse. Jesus is the champion at the table. I want to bring four things to you from this biblical text. Hopefully we'll we'll grab and gather some more information. We'll become wiser through this, but also we'll make it personal. Right, here at Walk Church, we don't want to just hear the word and then leave the word. Come on, we want to receive the word and then walk the word. Come on, somebody say walk the word. Walk the word, word. we want to take a step. I pray that this message drives us to action. Take a step. We're not just doing this to do it, we're doing this to get a little better today. Let me give you the first point that I see from the text. Jesus models appreciation. Appreciation. Something that I have glazed over in my time as a Christian is the appreciation Jesus demonstrates in the Lord's Supper. I tend to go so quickly to the bread. I tend to go so quickly to the cross. I I go so quickly to the blood, but I, I caught something fresh while rereading through Paul's account of the Last Supper. And then I went and double-checked. I said, well, let me read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all say the same exact thing. Come on, let me show it to you. Let's look at 23 and 24. For I received from the Lord what I also deliver you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when, say it with me, when he had given thanks. I've always missed the thankful part. I don't know why King Jesus decided to give thanks, but I'll tell you what, he modeled appreciation, didn't he? Jesus models a thankful heart. Jesus models this idea of, I'm not just going to assume I deserve this bread, but I'm going to give thanks for this bread. And when he had given thanks, Jesus realized Before I can have the first ever communion moment, before I'm going to institute the Lord's Supper, I first must give thanks. And I think if we're not careful, you're going to be in this message and say, well, I knew that already. But did you? If the Lord only decided to give you what you were thankful for, were you thankful for enough? (laughs) All right, good. I'm, I'm with somebody who said no right? I'm realizing the value of appreciation, a thankful attitude, an attitude of gratitude, amen? I want us to institute and instill in our hearts this year an attitude of gratitude. Walk church, let us be the most thankful people in the city, amen? Let us be the most joyful, grateful, humble. We have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Oh, somebody just take a deep breath one time and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We have much to be thankful for. Jesus modeled Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving on the big things. Thanksgiving on the small things. I want to encourage you. Let's just start saying thank you more. I mean, I've found that I teach my son Epaph this often. Somebody said happy birthday to him. Mind you, it's Epaph's seventh birthday today, so just test this out, okay? (laughs) Test this out. If you see him, he's in the kids' ministry. If you see him afterwards, somebody said happy birthday to him. And he said, yeah. (laughs) I had to come here. It wasn't wasn't like a a, a, a super shake. It was just like, hey, you say thank you. (laughs) When somebody says, you don't deserve a birthday, God gave you a birthday. Right? Like, your your little seven-year-old heart is deceitful. You need Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's He's growing, okay? He's on his way. But we're trying to help him have an attitude of gratitude. But I've found that too many adults are the same way. Too many adults just have this very real issue with entitlement we deserve a certain thing or treatment or you know what we we just think people should cater to us and I can't speak for every church but my prayer for walk church is that we would just have an essence of gratitude because family we have so much to be thankful for I read this quote from the great missionary, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who rescued so many Jewish men and women from the hands of the German oppressors. Diedrich said, how can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? What if we started today and we said, you know what, I'm going I'm to get a little more grateful this year. If we're not careful, come on, we can complain more than we can give thanks. Anybody else? Like, I've had moments where I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm frustrated about this, I'm upset about this, I'm, I'm, I'm burdened about this, I'm anxious about this, and then you feel the weight of all those things, but at the very same moment, you could also be like, I'm grateful for this, I'm thankful for this, I stubbed my toe, thank you for my toe. The person cut me off, I'm glad I got a car, right? Person's, person's not driving, I'm glad there's lines. I mean, I remember being in India, and I'm like, there ain't no lines. There's four people on this road, and it's whoever gets their first goes, all right? Everybody uses their horn, I beat you, beep, beep, beep. I'm like, man, this is, all right, we're about to do this. You can, Lord, uh, this chair is a little bit steel and small, but man, God, thank you for a chair. God, you, you gave us a chair. Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this grace. Thank you for this gift. Lord, help me to have an attitude of gratitude. If you go through the day focusing more on things to be grateful for, I really do believe you'll be happier. This is a practice that I've been trying to work on in my marriage, in my home, in my family, with our church. Let's, let's work hard to find things to be thankful for. Amen. I read this quote from Charles Spurgeon recounting a story that he had heard. Spurgeon, he, he talks about this story. He says, I've heard of some good old woman in a cottage who had nothing but a piece of bread and little water. Lifting up her hand, she said, as a blessing. What? What? All this in Christ too? Amen? Come on, right? I think it's perspective that changes things. We we need to switch our perspective on certain things, right? We recount this little old lady in the cottage. She goes, you know what? I got a little piece of bread and a little bit of water. All this in Christ too? I'm winning. I'm going to make it the champion at the table. I wanna encourage you to really instill an attitude of gratitude. Here's here's why I wanna center it back in. As you approach this, be careful not to grab this out of routine without ever giving thanks. Don't go so quickly to let me examine myself, I'm a sinner. No, no, start with God, thank you for this. Brother, sister, this is a good thing. This is good news. This represents the blood and body of Jesus. Start with, God, thank you for this packet. It's kind of hard to open. I struggle with the top of it. I, it takes too long. I, I feel the same way, but thank you for it. Thank you for it. Because what it represents is my testimony. What it represents is a life of sin forgiven. What it represents is cleansing at the blood and body of Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you, as you approach this packet today, come on, start the month of April with the gospel. Start it with a thankful heart, amen? Amen. One more verse, everybody say one more. One more verse, 1 Thessalonians chapter five, good verses to memorize. If you're looking for a scripture to memorize in April, sometimes I'll just say, you know what, I'm gonna take this month, I'm gonna focus and try to memorize, I'm gonna repeat this verse five times a day, and by the end of the month, I'll have it memorized. Here it is, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 through 19. Let's read it together. Ready, set, go. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Tell the person next to you, for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Here's what God revealed to me as I was preparing for this message. A lack of gratitude could quench the Holy Spirit's work in your life. Someone wanted to golf clap that. That was my sister Lois. Amen. Someone wanted to just say, yep. Here, here's what, I'm not saying be fake. Right? I'm not saying be fake. That's not what I'm saying. I did a whole sermon last week called How to Respond to Fakers. All right? I'm not saying be fake. But there's something about Paul who's trying to get the Thessalonians and the Corinthians and the Walk Churchians to rejoice more. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you always have to go throughout life like this. I can't, like the posture of prayer is up to you, right? Like we're learning that from Nehemiah. Nehemiah goes, he stands in the king's presence and the king says, what do you want from me? And Nehemiah goes, Lord, give me the words, (laughs) you know, like pray. You have to have, I would encourage you to have a constant, continual conversation with God in your car, on the free throw line, when you're at work, when you're in a, on, the, on break, when you're struggling, before you go to sleep, when you wake up. God wants you to talk to him, and oh, he wants to talk back to you. Continual relationship with his word, with his people, you'll sense, man, I'm getting to know God better. Pray without ceasing and then give thanks. And everybody say the A word, all. Some of y'all minds went to a different place. The A word is all. Circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. So hopefully that, I don't, that, that's kind of plain, amen? I don't need to give any more commentary on what that means. In, in every circumstance you find yourself in this month, find a way to give thanks. You're going to find yourself in a situation, a circumstance that's not great. You don't love it. It's a struggle. It could happen to be in your marriage. It could happen to be with your kids. It could happen to be with your singleness. Find a way to thank God for your singleness. Find a way to thank God for your story. Find a way to thank God for your brokenness. Lord, repair me. God, I'm in a circumstance that doesn't make sense, but I'm going to thank you for it anyway because I know on the other side of this, you're going to be for me. I can't see chapter 8. I'm still in chapter 3. But it's going to work out for my good. Romans eight twenty eight promises me that. Amen? This is the will of God in Christ for you. The will of God for you is to be grateful. Jesus models this. Do not, everybody say do not. Do not, do not quench the spirit. Amen? So we're working on it. Amen? We're working on it. We can hold each other accountable next time you're with somebody now now make sure the moments right you got to discern the moment but someone starts complaining someone starts telling you how. come on anybody ever just get around people and they just start sharing all their problems 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 I got problems hey how's it going problems she went right into problems happens I get it at some point in the conversation try to turn it to gratitude remember what Jesus did listen let me, come on, let me pull up the verse. Now watch this. Let me show it to you one more time. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, on the night when he was betrayed, he gave thanks. On the night where he knew, in just a moment, the disciple who I've entrusted the money bag to who I've let into my life for the last three years, in just a moment, he's going to be deceived by Satan. He's going to betray me. And then my closest disciple is going to deny me. And then the rest of them are just going to scatter off because they didn't have the fear of the Lord over the fear of man. And Jesus goes, I'm thankful. (laughs) Let me start by giving thanks. Because God, you're going to use this to help people in Las Vegas, amen, wow. to help people in Dallas, to help people watching online right now. When he had given thanks, do not rush by the thankful spirit of Jesus on display, amen? Amen, come on, let's keep on working through this scripture. So when he had given thanks, he, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The second point that I want to focus on just for a moment is what's called commemoration. Commemoration. So we talked about appreciation, right? God give us a thankful heart. The second point is commemoration, a commemorative heart, okay? Did you just learn a new word, anybody? I'm learning words myself up here. Listen, let me give you the definition of commemoration. Commemoration, Oxford Dictionary says remembrance, typically expressed in a ceremony. What the Lord is doing here in the Lord's Supper is he's tapping into commemoration. The power of commemoration. I did a quick search within the ESV Bible. The word remember is used 161 times. If God says something once, it's important. But if God says something 161 times, please listen. Do yourself a favor and take heed to the countless times, well, 161, you can count them, times, that the Lord is trying to help his people remember. There's something about remembering that helps you with gratitude. Commemoration, Jesus instills a practice to help us remember the cross. Can I just confess to you here today? that if, if you're not careful, if I'm not careful, what I have, hey, here's what happens. Hear me, church, hear me, please don't miss this. Please don't miss it online. Please don't miss it. If we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll begin to drift. Begin to drift away from the cross, away from the blood, away from the resurrection, away from gratitude and we'll find ourselves in the position of a Pharisee trying to earn what's already been given. We we need to remember the blood of Jesus because without it, you'll start to think, okay, I gotta earn God's love again. What? You gotta earn God's love? Maybe you'll say, you know what, God, I, I, I I need to earn your grace, but the definition of grace is it can't be earned. God, I, you come down to the altar, God, I make a pact with you again. I will never do it again, I promise. And God's like, why are you doing all that? Stop making promises and pacts. I did that at the cross. When Jesus says it is finished, he's not joking. Jesus doesn't say it's finished as long as you work really hard, make spiritual commitments. God, I vow to you, I'll never go back to blank, and then whether it's six months, six days, or six years, you do it, and then you, God, I'm, it was never dependent upon you. It's so dependent upon what he's done for you, Amen. And, if, and that's why we need this. And that's why it can't become a tradition that's just routine and religion. We, we, we do this because this is what Christians do. I'm not even thankful for it anymore. Get through it already. No, this right here is the gospel. And I want to encourage you the power of commemoration will change the game for your life. Re- remember is what he's talking about. We see this on display in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. When he had given thanks, he he broke it. So I want you to see Jesus, get him in view. He picks up this bread, and then he breaks it, and he says, this is my body, this bread, this, this substance. He goes, this is a symbol of my body, and he says, Now do this, break this bread, and do it in remembrance of me. Remember the body, amen? Come on, just say it with me. Say, "Remember remember the body. Remember the body. When you get this little wafer out here today, remember the body. Remember how Jesus broke that bread for the first time and he gave a picture of what he would do on the cross. Come on, it is April, we're getting ready to celebrate Easter. Don't rush past the cross. Don't don't miss what Jesus did on that cross for you. Remember it. Make your mind say, Lord, don't let me drift from this powerful cross, help me to remember it. It's interesting that Jesus would instill The Lord's Supper for the first time on the same night as the Passover would be taking place. This this Jewish commemoration, this, this Hebrew holiday where Jewish people from all around would gather together to celebrate a Passover meal which would commemorate what God did for the Israelites in saving them and freeing them from the hands of the Egyptians. I mean, I would encourage you this year, go back and read Exodus. See how the people of God were enslaved. See how the people called out and said, Lord, save us from the oppression of Pharaoh and these Egyptians that are working us and beating us and enslaving us. And God says he heard their, qu- their cry, and God remembered his promise. And then God sent a man named Moses who had a stutter, and Aaron, his brother, To deliver the people from the oppression. And then God, when He does that, He says, I want you to remember this moment. Be careful not to forget about how God parted the sea, opened it up. And some would believe upwards of a million people crossed through. Church, I believe that it happened, do you? I mean, I think sometimes we have kids' ministry views of these stories, which I am mad at the kids' books. But sometimes they only paint like eight or nine people crossing through the Red Sea. It was a million. That was a big tunnel. With big waves on the left and right. I would have been scared. We're like, Lord, don't drop that wave. Yo, you coming too? Come on, let's hurry up. Let's hurry up. Go, go. People, God said... God said, look, when we, when we cross through, you only better grab a little matzo cracker. You don't got time for a big old loaf of bread. You're only going to have a little bit of food and water and some herbs. And so on this Passover, right, the first ever Passover, God said, I want you to just try to reenact that moment in your head. Use these symbols, use this food, use this drink, use even a bitter herb because it's going to be a little sour and use some, some lamb to remember the spotless lamb. Remember the Passover, commemoration, amen. Now Jesus, on the same night where Passover is taking place, Jesus doesn't overstep the Passover. In fact, he's celebrating the Passover, but he takes it a step further. He says, the Passover is not complete without the Messiah. To be the even greater lamb where God the Father would pass over the sins of us for those who were covered by the blood of the lamb, namely Jesus Christ, amen? Amen. This was the new covenant. I want to invite you right now, I want to invite you to join us for a Seder meal where we celebrate the Passover and what the Lord has done in Jesus Christ. With us in just a couple weeks, we're going we're gonna to gather at the original Sunrise Cafe. Come on, Andrew and Angie. We're going to celebrate the Passover. We're going to celebrate a Seder meal. We're going to celebrate what the Lord has done for us in Christ. We're going to celebrate the gospel, and Andrew's going to lead us in a, a Seder meal. where well, We're going to actually live this out, and I want to encourage you to, to join us. It's going to be on a Tuesday night leading up to Easter. And so you can find all that information at walkchurch.com slash events and go ahead and sign up because it's going to be a sweet time of remembrance, of commemoration. Let me give you the third point. Let's keep on working through. Third point. It says not only appreciation, not only commemoration, but also clarification. I just spoke a little bit about this, but I want to drill down a little bit deeper before we close up. Clarification. Clarification is key because what Jesus is doing here wouldn't necessarily make sense right off the top for the disciples, right? We have hindsight 2020 vision. We look backwards, but the disciples in the moment were like, wait, what? You're, this is your body? This is bread. This is your blood? This is a drink. This is wine. Why, what do you mean, right? They were trying to figure out what this meant. Honestly, they were probably tired. They might have just missed the whole thing. But Jesus is clarifying what these elements actually mean. Let me look at the scripture with you one more time. In the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Clarification, Jesus is saying I'm instituting a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. This new covenant would not be based upon the works of God's people. This new covenant would be based upon the work of King Jesus, right? The old covenant. The old covenant was a temple erected by human hands. You would have to go to this temple. You would then pay for your offering, which then would be sacrificed by a priest, and you would see this bull or this lamb or this, you, a, a thanksgiving offering or a, an herb of some type of offering you would try to you try to get the most spotless animal you could find that would then be sacrificed at the temple and the blood would be shed because apart from the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins this is how the Lord built his covenant of old and so today I'm just gonna say today one of the things I'm thankful for just one One of the things I'm thankful for is that I don't have to buy an expensive plane ticket to go to Jerusalem, make this long pilgrimage to the temple, spend money, buy a animal, have the animal be then sacrificed, all so I can be forgiven in the eyes of God. Anybody else thankful that that's true? Amen. That I don't have to... Do the hard work because the hard work has already been done. Jesus says, praise God. Disciples, y'all don't realize this yet, but this new covenant is so much better. There's a reason why John the Baptist, come on, the first ever Baptist, John. John the Baptist says in John chapter 1, When he sees Jesus, do you guys know what John says when he sees Jesus? Come on, let me show it to you. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold. Everybody say behold. Behold. In other words, John was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What a prophetic, profound statement. John was like, that right there, that guy right there. That's the Lamb of God. He's going to institute a new covenant, not based upon our works. He's going to take away the sin of the world. So we don't need to go find a bunch of sacrifices and animals to take away our sin when Jesus Christ has taken away our sin. To reject Jesus on the cross is foolish. You have to pay for your own sin. Go back to the old covenant. Mind you, you can never pay enough. But to receive Jesus Christ, that's good news, amen? That is gospel good news where Jesus says, I'm going to do all the work in your place. Your job is to receive me with open hands. Don't fight me. Don't reject me. Accept me. Receive me and then get to know me for the rest of your life. And Jesus says, it's going to be be hard to get to know me if you're continuing to live in sin, because I died for that. I defeated that. We're not going backwards. We're going forwards. Amen? So we're talking about appreciation. We're talking about commemoration. Hopefully, this is some clarification. What did Jesus mean when he said, this blood is the new covenant? Jesus says, we don't live by the old covenant anymore. Praise the Lord. We live by the new covenant at the cross. Praise the Lord. Amen? I saw this quote from Charles Spurgeon. You guys know I love Spurgeon. He, he says, morality may keep you out of jail, but it takes the blood of Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. Oh, man. Come on, Mario. I'm grateful for that truth. Just, just I gotta continue to stay close to the blood. The reason why we take communion once a month, right? We, we do this at the first Sunday of every month. And the reason why we take time in our service to really... Center our hearts around the blood is because if we're not careful, we'll drift We'll drift into religion. We'll drift into morality. I got to be a better person. Why do you go to church? Because I want to be a good person Why do you tithe? I got to be a good person You're not a good person Jesus is the only good person that ever lived and if you make him your identity, that's the only good thing about you Amen Are you a good person? No, but Jesus is, and he saved me. I'm walking in him, not walking in sin, I'm walking in him, and he makes me good, he makes me good. I don't want to drift toward morality, I can never be moral enough. I I want to have good morals, bad company corrupts good morals, but Jesus will produce his morals through you. The Holy Spirit will start to make you holy. The Holy Spirit comes into your life, he says, all right, these these are the issues I have with you. And that's called conviction. And you drift into sin and the Holy Spirit's like, I don't like it here. The Holy Spirit's like, I don't think you should be hanging out with that person like that. Or the Holy Spirit starts to say, you know what, we can't keep looking at the same things we're looking at. Hey, you can't keep looking, the Holy Spirit makes us more holy and you respond to the holiness of God. But not to earn your salvation, that's already in the new covenant. The difference is sanctification, it's making us more like Christ, amen? The Lord is sanctifying us, making us more like Christ. Last point, everybody say last point. Last point, last point, last point. point. Um, And worship team, you guys can come help me close. Come on, when the worship team, get me off this stage because we've heard some word and now we need to respond. The final point is examination, examination. Hopefully we're more appreciative of the cross. Hopefully, we're remembering more about the cross. Now we're we have more clarification of the new covenant compared to the old covenant. And, and Jesus says, take those and examine yourself. Give yourself a pop quiz with the communion packet. Examination. Let's look at the, the scripture. Let a person examine himself then. And so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So he says, don't eat and drink without first examining your life. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is a loaded verse, amen? Jesus wants us to be discerning as we approach this because what it represents separates history it's a big deal to not approach this loosely is wise. He says, examine. Do you guys know what examine means? I didn't think so. Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. <laughs> no, one, no one said anything, so you could have said something. It's a verb. Examine means to inspect someone or something. In this case, you are the one being inspected. In detail to determine their nature or condition. Investigate thoroughly. Oh, brother, sister, this communion packet exists so that you could investigate your life thoroughly. This right here, you, you can't walk past this too quick. I would even say, don't take this too quick. Come on, this is not a little packet of Skittles you pop open and eat really quick. This here is like a magnifying glass. Begin to examine your heart thoroughly. Examine your nature. Examine how's your condition today? Are you living in sin or are you living for Him? And today, maybe this was a great moment to live out what Manu preached on Friday night. Repent and believe. They go hand in hand. The word repent means to turn from. Maybe today you need to make a decision in your heart. I'm going to turn from this and I'm going to turn to Him. That's what it means to examine. Investigate thoroughly. Inspect your heart today and say, God, whatever's off, you've already died for it. I'm going to let you pay for it. Come on, you ever been with somebody? I was at, out to lunch, somebody and it was like, no, let me pay, let me pay. I wonder if sometimes Jesus is like, let me pay for it. I've already paid for it. Through his goodness and through his mercy, through the power of the blood, Jesus has atoned for our sins. Examine yourself. Let whatever you need to go, let it go. Come up to the cross or come up to the uh, altar if you want. Grab somebody. Pray with them. Be free as we respond now to the champion at the table. Amen. Champions at the table. He's calling us to respond. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. And Maybe there's somebody online right now or in the room right now who's ready to get saved. I call you to get saved today. I call you to take a step today online, in person. You're in this room. You know you don't know Jesus, but today you heard the gospel. You heard the new covenant. You're no longer going to try in your own strength. You're going to... Surrender to him. Right now with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you died for all my sins. I believe you rose from the grave. And in my heart right now, I receive you. Lord, save me. Change me. Heal me. Free me. Cleanse me by your blood. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen.